The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. By now you may have heard that the most popular course ever taught at Yale University is devoted to making students happy. On campus it's called Psych 157, Psychology and the Good Life. And last year 1,200 students took it at the same time. That means one quarter of all the undergraduates at Yale We're in the same class at the same time. Another 225,000 people have taken the course online where it is called the science of well-being. So it seems that a huge number of our brightest and richest and most successful persons yearn for something more from life than being bright and rich and successful. They also want to be happy. The main idea of this course is that happiness can be learned. So the homework includes daily exercises to kill bad habits and to nourish good habits. Good habits like play to your strengths, stress experiences, not things. Don't procrastinate so much. Savor the good in each day, and in all things be gentle and be kind. The bet is that these new habits will make you happier so that you can move through life with less friction and more satisfaction. That is their definition of happiness. 
At first that sounds just a little bit like the gospel appointed for today, except that Jesus starts by promising to make his disciples quite unhappy. So when we meet the disciples this morning, they do not seem very enthusiastic about their new class schedule. In their defense, it is Monday Thursday, and the week does not end well. The religious authorities have been angry with Jesus for years. The king and the governor are most concerned with the kind of peace that keeps them in power. And eventually, the soldiers are going to show up and do what soldiers do. So by the end of the week, Jesus is going to end up dead, and the disciples are going to end up broken and scattered and scared and deeply unhappy. But as you know, if we stick with Jesus all the way through Easter, his story really is a story of promises kept and life beyond life and time beyond time and eternal joy that is beyond earthly happiness. Jesus' story breaks the bounds of earthly happiness by delivering forgiveness. And that is closely followed by the new habits of something divine, of a resurrected life that bestows heavenly joy right now in this life. The impulse behind Psych 157 at Yale is spectacular. The inkling that there is much, much more to life than being bright, successful, and rich, that is so hopeful. And it is fabulous that so many students sign up yearning for more. They are very near discovering that they do indeed have souls and that their souls need care. But Jesus' joy is totally different from our earthly happiness. It is something much different than sailing through life a bit more smoothly. And it is something that we absolutely cannot learn or do on our own. Listen to Jesus this morning. Verse 17, it is too hard for us to see. Verse 12, it's too heavy for us to carry. Verse 20, it is too painful for us to endure all by ourselves. Despite our inklings and our hopes and our yearnings and our exercises and our habits and our discoveries and our good deeds, we cannot get beyond ourselves. And so we cannot save ourselves, but we can be saved, and it works like this. On Good Friday, Jesus goes to the cross, and he pulls us along with him into death. On Easter, Jesus rises from the dead, and he pulls us along with him into life. Next Thursday, Jesus ascends into heaven and he pulls us along with him into the font and into the scriptures and to the altar and into the church 
taking us places where we cannot go on our own. Of course the disciples are right. Suddenly they do not see Jesus. At least they do not see him as they saw him before. They and we do not see Jesus as he puts himself into ink and paper and water and bread and wine. We do not see him in quite the same way that he put himself into Mary's flesh and blood and stood before the disciples resurrected. So it is hard and heavy and painful for the disciples and for us. And some days we wake up wondering if Yale might be right. Maybe human happiness, just a little less friction as we move through life, is the best that we can do. But then the Holy Spirit arrives with wind and fire at Pentecost, just as Jesus promised. And now it is Jesus' Spirit who pulls us along to the next thing. It is that Spirit who dips us into the font and makes us children of God. It is that Spirit who feeds us today at the altar and cements us to Jesus Christ Himself. Bit by bit, that Spirit teaches us new words like righteousness, verse 10, and truth and authority, verse 12, and new habits like listening, verse 13, and liturgy and tithing and alms and mercy and witness, the very first holy habits of the new church in Acts chapter 2. Yale got this part right. It does not come to us all at once. It takes practice. But then Jesus already told us that our faith would grow like crops in a field or rise like yeast bubbling up in bread, slowly, steadily, and habitually. And he tells us again quite clearly in verse 12 that we cannot bear to have the whole load of divine gifts dumped on us all at once. That would crush us. But across the course of these new divine habits, as we come again and again to the liturgy and we hear the scriptures and we remember our baptism and we receive the Holy Supper, the Holy Spirit takes the Father's words and rubs them into our ears. And the Holy Spirit takes the Son's works and puts them onto our skin and into our mouths. And these things not only reveal they glorify the Father and the Son, and they guide us into truth. And eventually we do grow up. We grow stronger, and we do begin to carry these things with us, and bit by bit they are not too much for us, and they shape us, but they do not crush us. Instead, they gently press us into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ, and that glorifies the Father even more, and we become a revelation to the world, and Jesus uses our praying and our liturgy and our tithing and alms and mercy and witness for his good. And suddenly others are pulled along with Jesus onto the cross and out of the tomb 
and they are forgiven and drawn into the Christian life and they give glory to the Holy Trinity and that is the life to which we are called. That is the community in which we live. That is the body of Christ. And that is the person you were always meant to be. Sometimes it is deeply painful, that unhappy friction with the world. But stay Easter true. And when it is all over, like a mother who has brought a new child into the world, for you it will only be joy. The divine joy that satisfies your deepest yearnings and fulfills your greatest hopes and someday lands us all together before the glorious face of God, the Alpha and the Omega, forever. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.